Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to yet another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio, uh, episode number 92. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Chad Dotson from RedLegNation.com. Joining me again this week is our good buddy, uh, my fellow co-host, Doug Gray from RedsMinorLeagues.com. Doug, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Chad. How about yourself? Doing okay, doing okay. Uh, doing better now than I was uh, about this time last week, you know, in our last uh, podcast uh, Bill Lack from Red Leg Nation and I had a pretty good uh, time talking about how disappointed we were, I guess is the best way to, to put it, over the Reds' recent play. We had just a – the Reds had lost two out of three at home against Milwaukee. They had that uh, – until the final game of the series, really just a disastrous performance at St. Louis. And then they went out to Colorado against uh, what's not a very good team and lost two out of three. And we're wondering, is this is this it? You know, when are when are the Reds going to make their run that we've all been hoping for? Well, uh, over the last four days, the Cardinals came to town, and the Reds had obviously not played well against the Cardinals for uh, really any of this uh, run since 2010 when the Reds have been competitive. They've not t- played particularly well against the Cardinals. But this time, three wins out of four games, and uh, probably should have won all four, but the three games they won, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say dominant fashion, but uh, looked awfully good uh, in winning those games. What are we to make of these uh, Reds coming out of this Cardinals series? You know, it, it's tough to say for me, honestly, because, like, like you said, they look good, uh, especially in the win. You know, we both feel that they should have won that fourth game. Uh, things got away from them. They didn't capitalize on a few opportunities, and, you know, they just let things slip away in extra innings there. Uh, but it just seems that with this team – they make so many mistakes, and, you know, I, maybe it's just me and it's, you know, how I'm feeling, but I, I just I, I don't know that I can go out and say, you know, they're going to go on a run because it just seems that time after time just something always happens. You know, they make a mistake that you just can't fathom they can make, uh, you know, like bunting with two outs in extra innings uh, and getting the guy caught stealing on third base. Uh, that, things like that just seem to follow this team around this year that haven't been there in the past. And uh, I, I don't know, that just that's something that stands out for me. Um, you know, I, I like the team. I like where they're at. Um, but I'm I just, things like that kind of keep me from going full in. That You know, I, I think that they've got a run in them that can, you know, you know where they can win 20 out of 25 games. You know they're seven seventy nine and sixty two. They're seventeen games over. They're you know three games out uh, from uh, first place, and they're really in, in a lot of ways not playing uh, bad baseball this year. But you know I look back at that two thousand ten team, and of course that was sort of a special year for all of us. After all those years, the Reds were in the wilderness, and finally uh, came back in when the uh, when the division surprising uh, almost everyone, and that year's team 
if you remember all the uh, praise they got for the way they ran bases and for the just excellent defense they played, and and that team really played uh, fairly smart baseball. This year's team, in comparison, you talk about the mistakes, and I've just never seen mental mistakes like I'm seeing out of this team, at least on a good Reds team. The base running has been atrocious. Uh, you talk about something like, and, and I, I, I can complain all day, and I'm going to try to avoid a complaining about Dusty calling for bunt after bunt after bunt. But the bunt that really shows or makes you question this team's, I don't know if it's brains or, or focus or what it is, was that one you talked about with two outs, runner on third in the uh, bottom of the 15th inning in that game uh, Wednesday night against the Cardinals, and Chris Heisey, Evidently, of his own accord, I don't. I think Dusty kind of threw him under the bus after the game because uh, Dusty will call for a bunt, but even he's not crazy enough to call for one like that. But just tries to lay down, a, I guess, a suicide bunt and a squeeze bunt, and just I can't imagine a worse decision, or, or I can't imagine that it would go through someone's head to think that might be a, a good decision. And when you compare that to the very poor defense that we've seen from uh, almost all the team and the base running blunders. It does. It makes you wonder whether or not this team is really capable of uh, being much more than what they are, which is a good team, but maybe not a great team. Uh, of course, as soon as I say that, this is the team that will go on a big, huge run and win the World Series. Well, I won't complain if that happens, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you that, you know, this is a – I mean, they might even be a very good team, but, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure that they're a great team. What concerns me about these little blunders is sort of uh, it's a corollary to what I've said about Dusty Baker for a long time now. I think Dusty gets a lot of things right as a manager. I think that he uh, the way he manages for the long haul uh, it frustrates some of us when we think he should be taking an individual game more seriously because it's more important than uh, the, we think it's more important than maybe he does. He seems like he's always managing for uh, the next day in some ways. But, but a lot of his philosophy as a manager is to keep this team uh, as healthy to keep them motivated and uh, keep them working together as a team throughout the year. That's sort of the stuff that he's gotten praise for off the field. And uh, maybe some of that's come into question this year a little bit uh, from some things we've seen. But that's, I've generally given him some credit for those things that I can't see him do. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's good at that part of his job. But what he has is not good at, uh, and I don't think there's any question among any uh, open-minded fan, He's not good at the on-field stuff, the lineups, the managing the pitching, uh, the the calls for bunts all the time. And what worries me is, even if this is a very good team who ends up going on a run, are these little scenario things that he doesn't do well as a manager, which may be a tiny part of his job, are they magnified in the short series or in a single game scenario? I think they are, and I think that's really what worries me about the Reds' ability to compete, uh, be serious competitors in October. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I... Yeah, it does, and I, I think that that's been the rub on Dusty Baker as a manager for as long as I can remember is how he managed in the playoffs when, you know, every game is so important and he still seems to be managing, you know, like it was the middle of August, um, you know, playing for the next day, you know, not, you know, utilizing his roster the best that he can for that specific day, that specific inning, that scenario, and, you know, at this point, you know, he's I, – I just – you know, you can't teach a dog new tricks. And he's been around for, you know, what is this, his 20th year, maybe 21st year as a manager in the majors. You know, and he just hasn't seemed to adapt to, 
you know, managing playoff baseball like it's different than regular season baseball, and it is. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I'm, with, I'm with you on that. I just think that that's been something that's been, a, you know, kind of a, a word on his resume for, you know, his entire managerial career, and I just haven't seen anything, you know, while we're not there this year, so we don't know. Uh, you know, he's been there twice with the Reds before. Um, he was there with Chicago. And he was there with San Francisco, and it just seems that that's how he's managed, um, you know, throughout his career. So, I, I don't see that changing. I, I hope it does. Uh, you know, maybe we'll just go on a run and we'll get hot, and those things won't matter because uh, sometimes teams can do that. You know, you get starting pitching that's just going to dominate all the way through the playoffs. You know, those little things may not ever come up. But if they do, uh, I'm with you. I'm just not sure I've got faith that Dusty Baker can, you know, make the right decisions, um, you know, in the right scenarios, given that, you know, that game may be the be-all, end-all uh, and that just doesn't seem like his managerial style. No, yeah, I'm not not particularly optimistic. But uh, as I said uh, a little while ago, before we went on air, hope springs eternal. Maybe they will go get hot, and a lot of those things won't uh, sort of show up in terms of uh, hurting the Reds uh, during the postseason. I just I look at a, an individual game. You know, Bruce Bochy. I mean, I don't think there's any way to look at it. Last year with the Giants, managed circles around Dusty Baker. The way he used creative use of his uh, pitchers, Lincecum and uh, Zito, just managed circles around him. And I worry about, and I, we can sort of leave this topic of Dusty Baker in a moment because we, we could spend two hours talking about uh, Dusty. Um, but I worry about a game where each game is so important in the playoffs. And in each game, the Reds have 27 outs and they're precious outs you you know the game's over when you've uh, used all those up and he just has this uh, desire to give them away for free on sacrifice bunts um let's not I, I know i know you're with me on that let's talk about uh some sort of specifics of that cardinal series if we could a little bit um, and i guess we need to just start with the uh the elephant in the room so to speak uh, which is joey Votto. And Votto obviously has gotten some criticism all year, and, and you and I have been amongst the uh, more vocal defenders of Votto's approach at the plate. But you got to look, look at it. In the last month, he's not hit particularly well. His batting average is down to 300. It's funny to say a guy's not hit well for a month, and he still has an OPS over 900. Um, but he's not seeing the ball well or something right now. What's going on with, with, with Joey Votto? Is there anything else we can add to the cacophony of voices who are uh, diagnosing Votto's problems? I really don't know. Um, you know, like you said, I, I wonder if it's just maybe he's not seeing the ball well because it, it seems that lately, you know, he's gotten strikes to hit and he just he just hasn't been able to hit them. Uh, you know, he's swinging through pitches that Joey Votto usually crushes. Um, you know, he's fouling off pitches that Joey Votto usually crushes. Um, you know, it, it might be something as simple as a mechanical flaw that he and the hitting coaches haven't been able to pick up, or you know, sometimes you just aren't seeing the ball well for whatever reason. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I I have faith that he'll be able to turn it around because, you know, I'm not sure there's many guys in baseball that work harder, you know, at their preparation at, for the plate like Joey Votto does. The amount of study that he does into both the pitchers and himself, you know, I just he's never been a guy that's been able to slump for more than you know a few games at a time. He puts in so much work at the plate, uh, but it's been strange to see Joey Votto not really be Joey Votto. Um, you know, like you said, he's been slumping for a month now, and he's still hitting over 300, which tells you, you know, how good he's been this year up to this point. But, you know, if the Reds are going to go on a run, they're going to need him to turn it around. Uh, you know, he's still been drawing walks while he's been slumping, but, you know, he's going to have to hit every now and again. 
uh, you know, to be able to you know, put this offense on his back. And, you know, while there are detractors that want to look at his RBI, you know, he's scoring a ton of runs because he's getting on base so much for everybody else. And, you know, moving those guys over with hits, it's a little bit more beneficial for the team than if he's drawing a walk. Uh, and so when he's doing both, you know, that's really the best Joey Votto that you're going to get. And right now he's only doing one of those two things. Yeah, no doubt. My my sort of constant uh, reply when I hear people trying to diagnose Joey Votto's swing and uh, he should be swinging at these pitches, not swinging at those pitches, or is that Joey Votto knows more about hitting than any of us know. Uh, he, he's probably, probably forgotten more about hitting than I will ever know. And if uh, you ever saw me hit back in the days when I used to play, uh, well, let's just say I'd be embarrassed to put my name in the same sentence as Joey Votto. This guy knows how to hit. And so I'm not really going to diagnose what he needs to be doing better, differently, out, out of my element. But we do need Joey Votto to step it up uh, here in the stretch run if the Reds are going to be as good as the Reds can be. And they've got to go on a little run. They're, they're close, but they still have to go on a little run if they want to uh, you know, make a, a comeback in this division. There's three back, but they're behind two teams. And so they're going to have to play well. So we do need Joey Votto to be Joey Votto. Uh, maybe some good signs that Todd Frazier and uh, Jay Bruce starting to come around a little bit. They uh, The last couple of days have swung the bat a little better. Bruce has had a pretty good season himself, and we spent some time talking about him last week. Frazier has been just uh, almost horrifically bad this year. Uh, if, he, if he can get hot, Bruce can get on one of his hot streaks, and Votto turns right back into Votto, all of a sudden, we're scoring some runs behind a pretty good pitching staff. That, now, is that wishful thinking? Yeah, so I mean, maybe. I, I'm, I'm not sold that Todd Frazier's got too much of a hot streak in him. I, I feel that he just swings at too much stuff outside of the zone, and while he'll occasionally run into one or two like he did last night, uh, you know, that approach doesn't really work for anybody not named Vlad Guerrero in the long run. Uh, and so I, I'm not entirely sold on that, but... You know, Wait a minute, I, I hold on, hold on. Well, are... one second. Let me. You think Frazier swings at too many pitches outside the zone? I thought that's what everyone wanted Joey Votto to do. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, well, I'm not everybody. Um, oh, okay. I, I, right. I, I don't want Joey Votto swinging anything outside the zone. I don't want anybody doing that. Uh, you know, people they just don't hit as well on balls as they do strikes. But you know, that's why they created the strike zone the way they did. It was the idea that those are the pitches you should be able to hit. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll get back to things. I don't think the Reds are really relying on Todd Frazier as much as they are, you know, guys, you know, one through four in the lineup. Um, you know, I guess one through five on days where Ludwig's going to play because he's not in there every day at this point still. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, what the Reds are going to be relying on is getting, you know, Joey Votto going again and relying on, you know, Chu and Phillips and Bruce to, you know, get the offense going and hope that they can get some sort of contribution on any given day from the rest of the lineup. Could at the beginning of the year, if you had been asked to write down numbers that you'd be happy with out of Shin Su Chu uh, in his first year as a Red, I'm not sure you could have uh, asked for a whole lot more than what we've gotten out of him. Uh, and he continues to play well. So let's, let's move into talking about him just for a moment. 287 average, 420 on base percentage, 470 slugging. So his OPS is just under 900. OPS plus at 142, which is just under Votto's. 20 home runs. Uh, he scored 95 runs. Could, is there anything more we could have asked for out of you? I mean, is, is, has this been as good a season as I think it has been? Offensively, absolutely. I, I mean, 
you know, I, I think that if you would ask me to write down before the season what I expected from him, I think that, you know, 280, 290 average is right. You know, 450 to 475 slugging was right. But that on base percentage of 420, it, that's just, it, it's incredible. Uh, you know, I, I would have tapped him, you know, you know, 360, 370, and that would have been outstanding to get at the top of the lineup for the Reds, especially given what they've had. But, you know, he's sitting at 420 right now, and, you know, only Joey Votto is walking more than he is in the, in the National League. I mean, it's just incredible to see, you know, both of those guys with on-base percentage of 420 uh, in our lineup. But, uh, yeah, and he's been about as good as you could possibly expect him to be uh, offensively. If anybody wants to say that they've expected more out of him, you know, I don't know what they were on or what they were thinking, but, uh, you know, I, I just can't see how anybody could have expected a better season from Chu than what we've gotten from him offensively this year. Oh yeah, he's been fantastic, and um, you know, you mentioned also in comparison what the Reds have gotten previously, and I, I wonder if maybe he just looks twice as good because of uh, that production off, out of the leadoff spot coming on the heels of guys like uh, Corey Patterson and Willie Tavares, and you know even Drew Stubbs, who uh, you and I both uh, like to varying degrees, but uh, no Shinsu Chu. So, um, but it's something else to have a guy at the top of the lineup that can have, that can uh, can mash the ball. Um, and to have the, an elite RBI man like Brandon Phillips, uh, is that a good description of Brandon? Yeah, you could say that, <laughs> I guess, if you wanted to. Yeah, I'm setting you uh, up there. We don't have to talk about Brandon. He is what he is. He's a good player. I just I don't feel that you know the RBI gives a good picture of the kind of player that he is. I'll, I'll just leave it at that for now. There you go. There's a difference between a good player and being a team MVP caliber player. And uh, yeah, let's leave that alone because there are so many. Uh, everyone wants to defend Brandon Phillips for some reason. Um, let's move quickly, if we could, over to the. Uh, I want to come back in a moment to uh, a guy on the offensive side of the ledger who caused a little bit of excitement this week. But before we do that, let's talk about the pitching. Uh, you know, Homer Bailey. Let's talk about that start he had. Uh, a couple nights ago against the Cardinals when he went seven strong innings, struck out eight guys, gave up only two hits. Um, Homer Bailey, uh, yeah, he's up and down. That's what everyone wants to say, but uh, he's had a good season. And, man, he, every once in a while he'll come out with a start like that. And you say, oh, yeah, that's the guy who has thrown two no-hitters, and that's the guy who was so dominant in October. I'm glad to have that guy on our team uh, as we look towards October. Yeah, I mean, September's historically been the best month of the season for Homer Bailey. And, you know, if he goes out and has the best month of his season like he usually does, you know, he might finish with an ERA under 3.25 by the end of the season. Um, you know, if you can couple that with what Latos and Arroyo and Singrani have been bringing, and, you know, well, Leak has been, you know, I guess taking a step back the past four or five weeks, you know, he's still been pretty good this season too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really impressive to see what the entire staff's done. But, you know, the two guys at the top between Bailey and Latos, I just feel that, you know, especially going towards the playoffs, on any given night, both of those guys can match up with anybody in all of baseball. And it'll be real interesting. I know that I'm personally excited about it because I'm a former pitcher. I love seeing pitching matchups is to see the matchup on Sunday night between Bailey and Kershaw. Uh, that that should be fantastic if the Homer Bailey shows up, it showed up uh, in his last start. Yeah, we've seen that guy a few times, so that, that could be fantastic on uh, Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Seems like Bailey pitches every one of those ESPN games, but uh, Bailey's been great, no question about it. What about Matt Latos? 
14 and 5, 2.98 ERA. Latos has uh, turned into a certified uh, stud this year, hasn't he? I mean, I always felt that he was a certified stud, um, but yeah, I mean, he's just taken it to a different level this year. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to really, uh, I, I guess, get rattled as much as he used to. Um, you know, he, he's been able to bear down just a little bit better this year. You know, I didn't really think it was too much of a problem in the past, but, you know, it would show up every now and again where he gets visibly frustrated. That's just not happening this year. Um, and if it weren't for, you know, that previously mentioned Kershaw guy, you know, Latos might be, have he might have a legit shot at, you know, a Cy Young Award this year, but Kershaw just been so good that that's not going to happen. But, you know, I, I think that the Reds have, you know, a legit ace on their hands, you know, despite the fact they already lost one with Clayton earlier this year. Um, you know, he's basically stepped right in and filled that role, you know, just as good as I think anybody could ever have expected. Speaking of just as good as anyone ever could expect, let's talk about the starter in game four of the series against the uh, Cardinals. Tony Singrani, boy, the, this kid just keeps impressing. I, I had thought maybe after a, a, a couple of months he would uh, the league would catch up with him a little bit. He'd struggle like young pitchers often do. They're up and down. He's 7-3, his ERA down to 2.8 at this point. He, uh, you know, loved watching him last night as he got a bunt single, beat it out uh, with his legs, and then stole second. Uh, this kid, he he's a major leaguer to stay at this point, and um, you talk about a guy sort of grabbing hold of his opportunity when he got it. <laughs> Tony Singrani grabbed it, and he's not going to let go of this spot on the major league roster, is he? You know, I don't, I don't, I really don't think so. You know, with the story coming out with Arroyo saying that if he's going to stay with the Reds, he wants a multiple year deal. Uh, earlier today, you know, I mean, for as good as Arroyo has been as a Red, uh, you know, they can't. They, they can't realistically be looking at bringing him back with what Singrani's been able to do. Uh, I mean, what Singrani's done this year has been so impressive. You know, coming into the season, I had said that, you know, he was a two-pitch pitcher who didn't really use his second pitch. Um, and, you know, his slider needed a lot of work, a lot of improvement. He basically just scrapped it this spring. He, he wasn't really throwing it, and he switched to a curveball. Um, but as the season's progressed, he's actually gone further away from the curveball, brought the slider back, and added a cutter. And, you know, like you said, you know, after a while you figure maybe, you know, the league would catch up to him and make the adjustment and you have to adjust back. You know, I, I think that he's just been so impressive with how he's adjusted. I mean, he's been 80% fastball all year long, but he's adjusted within the other 20% the different pitches he's used and how he's used them throughout the season. That I think that that's been his adjustment that, you know, he made along the way even before the guys really started to adjust to him. And to see that happen with a guy who's 23 in his first major league season, you know, that's, I mean, I guess technically it's his second season. He made two appearances last year out of the bullpen. But it's it's just been really impressive to see, you know, how he's been able to do things, especially being so reliant on the fastball. But, you know, as a guy who throws it so much, he's also been mixing in three different pitches at various degrees throughout the season to kind of, you know, I guess keep, hitters off balance, despite the fact that they know he's going to come fastball most of the time. Yeah, he's throwing a lot of fastballs, but he's getting a lot of people to swing and miss at those fastballs well, in all his pitches. Uh, this is sort of a, a goofy stat in that, it, uh, you know, we're, we're capping the uh, qualification here. At nine, of all pitchers who've thrown at least 90 innings this season, um, which is sort of an arbitrary spot to, to put it, but 
it's illuminating in some way that of all the pitchers in the National League who've thrown at least 90 innings, Singrani has the best strikeout rate of any pitcher in NL. I mean, he's, he's striking out 10.4 hitters per nine innings. And so he's fooling a lot of guys. Uh, just, again, sort of like we talked about, too, you could not have asked for any more uh, uh, from Singrani, and a big part of the reason why the Reds are still right in the thick of the race. It's, it's right. been interesting to see. I, I feel like with his fastball, you know, when he elevates that fastball, guys have no chance. He's throwing it 94 to 96, uh, the left side. You know, guys just don't see that too often. Um, and, you know, he doesn't really control it so well up in the zone, but guys, for whatever reason, feel like they can hit it when it's at the letters or higher, and they just can't until they swing through it. But it seems when he's lower in the zone at the knees, he can paint the corners with his fastball down in the zone. And that, that's also been one of the things that's been really impressive I didn't mention earlier. Uh, you know, he really can get guys with the fastball, and it's not that, you know, necessarily that he's fooling them because he throws it so much they have to know it's coming. But that pitch has just been so good for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Okay, let's uh, let's swing around back to your wheelhouse, uh, Mister RedsMinorLeagues dot com. Let's talk about a guy who just came up to the majors, his first uh, game in the in the big leagues, first appearance, created a, as big a stir in Great American Ballpark as uh, we've seen in a regular season game since, uh, not including the game they clinched in two thousand ten, probably since Araldus Chapman's debut. Guy who still has yet to have a single plate appearance in the major leagues but has two stolen bases, two runs scored. Uh, talking about everybody's hero, Billy Hamilton. What do we think about uh, Billy Hamilton? Well, first things first, his speed's incredible. I, I think that's the thing that everybody – I mean, you don't have to be anything more than a casual baseball fan to watch him run the bases once and just know that that's something special. There aren't other guys – well, there aren't too many other guys around that could even, you know, be comparable to what he can do on the bases. Uh, you know, he's explosive. He has top-notch, high-end speed. Uh, and, you know, he's got really good instincts on the bases. And, I, you know, he is a true weapon uh, that the Reds have that hardly anybody else is going to be able to match uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. I just I, I think that the Reds are going to find a way to get him on the roster. You know, I know that there's been a few articles lately that, you know, he can use Nick Nassett's spot. Um, to get onto the playoff roster, um, you know, I don't think that he's going to get, you know, too many plate appearances. Like you said, he hasn't had one yet. Um, but with what he can do being a pinch runner, um, you know, he really can be a difference maker despite the fact that, you know, he's not going to get many at-bats, um, you know. But when we look at his bat, uh, I, I just, I'm not sure that he's ready to, you know, do much at the major league level right now. Uh, you know, he's still very aggressive at the plate. Um, you know, he really struggled to make contact early in the year. And he, he did improve in the second half of the year uh, making contact, which is good to see. But, you know, he's still not hitting the ball with that much authority, which is something that he did do in previous years. Um, I just think that he's going to take a little bit longer. He's going to need more time in the minor leagues uh, before he's ready to play every day. Um that's that, that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, I I agree that he needs more time in the minor leagues, and I don't think, frankly, that he's going to get more time in the minor leagues unless the Reds can somehow work out a way to keep Shinsu Chu around next year. And even if they do, the smart move is moving uh, Chu over to left field. 
I just I, I'm not sure that they are going to have the uh, the will to leave uh, Billy Hamilton in AAA unless he just falls completely flat on his face over the next uh, month and then it's spring training the next year. But you know, it's a guy that uh, uh, his on base percentage he, he's gotten better at every level uh, the second time around a level and in his first full season in AAA. 308 on base percentage. And if that's going to be your leadoff hitter at the major league level, that's not going to translate real well uh, immediately, at least. And so I really wonder if uh, if he's going to be able to really make an impact next year. And he certainly can make an impact with his feet. And I think you're right that the Reds are going to try to figure out ways to get him in the game and to uh, use that elite asset that he has, those legs. It, it was you know fun to watch him in this series when he pinch run and immediately just took off and, and stole a base on on Molina. And, you know, we saw Yadier Molina get rid of that ball, and it wasn't a great throw, but they timed it, and his throw was from time to pitcher releasing to time of uh, the ball reaching second base on Molina's throw was actually uh, a good bit quicker than the, the average time it takes in the major leagues. Uh, the throw was a little offline, but even if it had been on, on target, he might have gotten him. It would have been a bang-bang play. So we're talking about the best, probably the best throwing catch in the league. Even if he had done everything – as well as he could, still may not have gotten Billy Hamill. That's how quick this guy is. So it'd be interesting to watch him as well in terms of base running when he really learns how to read pitchers and really gets uh, more accustomed to how to do that at the major league level. Um, he certainly could be an elite uh, base stealer and base runner. Just going to be as bad, isn't it, Then it, it really will. And I, I think that he really won't have to hit too much because of what he can do both on the base paths and in center field. You know, we didn't talk about that yet, but he, he's been so impressive in his transition defensively to center field. Uh, the last time I really saw anything that he did in the outfield that made me think, okay, he's still learning the position was way back in April. Uh, you know, he's got a lead range out there, obviously, because of his speed, but, you know, he's getting good reads and taking good routes for the ball. Um, and while that may not come into play so much in Cincinnati, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, when the Reds kind of go on the road to bigger ballparks. Uh, you know, if Duffy doesn't bring him in in late-inning late, late situations when we're leading uh, to play center field, you know, maybe pinch run and do, pinch run and do a double switch uh, out for Shinsu Chu uh, and put Hamilton in center field where he can make a difference with his glove as well. Uh, because while Chu's been able to do everything you could ever ask for offensively, uh, you know, even when he's at his best, he, he may be an average defensive center fielder, whereas Billy Hamilton could be an elite guy who can run things down that, you know, hardly anybody in baseball could run down. Uh, so I, I think that's another dynamic that he's going to bring. It'll be interesting to see if the Reds utilize, especially in certain ballparks and uh, certain situations. And I can certainly see, at least early in his career, um, if he's not getting on base at a great clip, that he could be a uh, contributing member and even a valuable member of this team, depending upon where he is in the lineup. And, and I guess that's what worries me, is that he's going to have a low on-base percentage and, and Dusty's going to stick him, if Dusty's still around Cincinnati, going to stick him up at the uh, – Top of the order as a leadoff, kind of like we felt with Drew Stubbs. You know, bat that guy eighth, and uh, you got a guy that can really help. Bat him leadoff, and it just sort of mitigates that because you know you're you're not getting on base uh, for the big guys. So we'll see. I mean, it remains to be seen. He's going to be fun to watch though this October, I imagine, don't you think? Or uh, this September and October. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, he he is a difference maker when he gets on the base paths, and I mean, he does things that you know, honestly, most of these guys that he's playing against. They're never going to be – they've never seen before. Uh, you know, with his speed, 
you know, he takes risks that other guys just can't even fathom taking, and he makes it happen because, you know, even the outfielders, you know, on a part hit single to, you know, left field, he'll still get to third base from first. And, you know, guys aren't even thinking that, that that's even a possibility, so they don't come up, you know, looking to throw to third base, and next thing they know, they look up and, you know, he's halfway to third already. Uh, you know, he, he really is going to be something to, you know, to watch for because he, he's one of the most exciting players you can possibly think of, and not really in a way that we've seen in Cincinnati, perhaps since Eric Davis was here. What's his ceiling long term? Now, while I don't think that he'll ever be considered as an MVP caliber player because he's not going to get, you know, I guess the traditional stats, he's not going to hit 10 home runs, he's not going to drive in, you know, 75 or 80 runs like maybe a Jose Reyes would out of the leadoff spot. You know, I really think that if everything goes right for Billy Hamilton, you know, he could be a five-win, six-win player. You know, he could be a guy who could hit you 280, uh, get on base, you know, 350, and, you know, steal 75 to 100 bases and play elite-level defense in center field. You know, guys like that are really, really hard to find, and they're very, very valuable. Um, but, you know, that's in a perfect everything-goes-right scenario for Billy Hamilton. I think that it's more likely, you know, he's a slightly above-average uh, center fielder who gets more of his, I guess, value on the base pass, not just stealing bases, but just as a base runner in general um, and his defense, whereas, you know, He'll kind of be an iffy hitter. You know, maybe he'll have a, a good year here or there, but he'll be more, you know, questionable uh, more often than not. But a guy that, you know, he's not going to kill you offensively, but, you know, a guy who you look at his, you know, on-base percentage, his batting average, his slugging percentage, and go, oh, I'd like to see a little more out of that. But it's the other things that he can bring to the table that are going to give him a lot more value than, you know, I guess your traditional, you know, baseball fan is going to see. Let's talk just really briefly, if we could, about uh, the other guys that were brought up when the rosters were expanded to 40 after September 1st. Any of these guys, uh, Henry Rodriguez, any of them you expect make any kind of an impact whatsoever on the rest of the season? Not really. I mean, I guess, you know, with the bullpen guys, you know, they're going to come in handy because uh, I guess you, you can mix and match matchups a little bit better, um, you know, Zach Duke has looked pretty good so far, um, and obviously in limited opportunities. Um, and I guess he did come up right before September, didn't he? But, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, the offensive guys, you know, they're basically just here for just-in-case scenarios. Henry Rodriguez, you know, Neftali Soto, you know, I guess they play slight roles. You know, if you need a guy to come off the bench and make contact, you know, Henry Rodriguez doesn't strike out much, you know. Neftali Soto's got a lot of power. If he can, you know, run into one, but, you know, he struggled to hit for power in Louisville this year. I, I just see that the offensive guys are more, you know, warm bodies there for extra inning games if you run out of players, you know. Um, the bullpen guys, you know, I, I don't think Nick, Nick Cristiani is back up yet, or, you know, but he, he may be. I'm not sure if he had to wait the full 10 days because the Triple no, A ended or not. Okay. He's back. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that there are certain scenarios where he could help out. You know, Curtis Parks could help out. Uh, but, you know, as far as impact guys go, I, I don't really see the Reds leaning on anybody other than Billy Hamilton uh, on the bases and, you know, maybe as a defensive replacement in late games uh, to really be true impact kind of players. Just briefly, what happened to Soto's power the last two years in AAA since he, since he moved to AAA? 
last year he was hurt, so, you know, I kind of wrote that off. He had a hip problem, and he played through it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's just better pitching keeps him more off balance, so he's not able to, you know, get the hips into the ball and turn on it as much. Um, and I, I think that, you know, just better pitching has been able to exploit weaknesses in his swing, and while he's still making contact, you know, he's not making as solid of contact because he's having to adjust his swing, mid-swing, uh, and so he's losing some of that power. He's always been a, an aggressive hitter, uh, you know, kind of sits fastball and adjusts later on. Um, and I think that, you know, pitchers have been able to figure that out about him as, you know, he's gotten further up the ladder. And, you know, he hasn't really been able to make the adjustment, uh, you know, to figuring out how to, you know, hit off-speed pitches for power when he's not sitting on an off-speed pitch yet. Okay, let's talk about what we have the rest of the way. 21 games remaining, if my calculations are correct. And the Reds' big series against the National League West-leading Dodgers starting, uh, well, it's, just, it's a weekend series. Mike Leake, Matt Latos, Homer Bailey going to the mound against Chris Capuano, Zach Greinke, and Clayton Kershaw. That, that's going to be an interesting uh, series. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, guess I saw somebody who tweeted earlier, and I I can't remember who it was, but you know they said that basically the matchup tonight between Capuano and Mike Leake is basically the rubber game of this entire thing because the other two pitching matchups is kind of a you know coin flip as to you know anything can happen, um, and so I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how things play out tonight because the pitching matchups over the next two nights it, it really is one of those situations where you know. If one guy has a good night, you know they're going to shut down the other team. Um, and uh, well, nobody has been hotter than the Dodgers for the last three months. And so, if the Reds can somehow take two out of three, uh, that's that's pretty good. You got the Cubs uh, coming to town for that, and the Reds go to Milwaukee, go to Houston. They got another series left against the Mets, and then of course they six of the last nine games of the season are against Pittsburgh. So. The Reds really can, in a lot of ways, control their destiny if they just just win, baby. So did I? Did I just quote Al Davis? I, I apologize for that. Um, I, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> but they play some, some some bad teams: the Cubs, Brewers, and, and Astros. And then after this series against the Dodgers at home, they don't have any. You know what you would think of as extremely tough games against the playoff teams until the Pirates, and they need to beat the Pirates to win this division anyway. So, um, what's going to end up happening here? I, I have my thoughts as to my predictions as to what's going to happen into the, the year. But um, what do you think? The Reds got a chance to win in this division. I think they do, um, especially with the way that the schedule plays out with Pittsburgh and St. Louis going head to head, and then we've still got six games left against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know. I I mean, I don't want to say it's there for the taking because we do have to rely on help from other teams. Uh, you know, I mean, theoretically, we could go undefeated the rest of the way and still not win the division. Um, but, you know, that's that's not likely to happen that another team is also going to have a run like that in them. But, you know, I think that, you know, the Reds' schedule lines up well along with, you know, Pittsburgh and St. Louis that, you know, if they do their job, they have a chance to win the division. Um, and, I mean, even if, things don't quite work out, you know, it's still within reasonable expectations that they could get that number one wild card spot. So at the very least, they could have a home game um, in that, in that I guess, one game series or whatever they want to call it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that they, 
final series uh, against Pittsburgh could be really, really big. Um, I mean, obviously it's going to be really big. I don't think that Pittsburgh's going to pull away far enough to where that series isn't going to matter. Um, but I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I, you know, I have sort of resigned myself to the fact the Reds are going to be in that one-game wild card playoff against. I don't know who it's going to be against. It's been the Cardinals, looking like the Cardinals most of the second half. But you just you can't tell the Cardinals after they play the Pirates, they don't play anybody. Um, so if they can go on a run, they can really do some damage and, and put the Reds in a tough spot because the Reds do have to pass two teams to win the division. I, I'm not going to bet the ranch on uh, winning the division, but it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that the Reds will be in the playoffs. We can only hope it's more than just one game. Who do you start in that one-game playoff if it is? Uh, if, if you can set up your rotation however you want, who do you start in that game? Well, I think it all depends on who we're playing. Um, you know, if we're playing against the Cardinals, I mean, I, I this will not happen. There's no way it will happen. But, you know, I... If I were making the call, I'd consider Tony Singrani because the Cardinals, they have not hit left-handed pitching well at all this year. And if we're playing the Cardinals, you know, if you throw out a guy out there who's got a 2.80 RA from the left side, you know, even even as a rookie, um, you know, Tony Singrani's kind of been, you know, the kind of guy they've really struggled to hit all year. Um, which, I mean, I figure if the Reds got to choose, which they may not because they may be playing – you know, through the end of the season trying to win the division, and so they can't rearrange their rotation to pick who they're going to pitch on that night. You know, I, I think they'd give it to Latos. Um, but, you know, maybe with Homer Bailey's history against the Pirates, if they were going to play the Pirates, they would pick him. Um, but, you know, I think it, no matter how it works out, whether the Reds get to pick who they put out there, you know, they're going to have a good option because, you know, they've got the depth. It, you know, one through five in the rotation, they're all good pitchers, although, I mean, if we were playing St. Louis, I'd hate to see Arroyo or Leak out there just because St. Louis is a team that puts the ball in play, and against those two guys who don't miss bats, you know, you're kind of leaving it up to, I guess, the baseball gods as to where that ball is going to land, and that always makes me a little nervous, but, you know, it, it could be worse. Yeah, you made the point that I was actually going to get into, which is that uh, the most likely scenario probably is that the Reds are playing meaningful games all the way up through that last series, as we said, against the Pirates. And you know they're just not going to be able to uh, they're not going to be able to shuffle that rotation even if they were inclined to do so. So it may just be whoever uh, whoever's turn it is. And uh, you're right about the depth. If it's Latos or Bailey, certainly I, whoever they're playing against, I'd be pretty confident either one of those guys and, and wouldn't have any problem. Wouldn't be shaking in my boots if uh, either one of those guys were starting. But even really, if it's Singrani or or Leaker Arroyo, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know the Reds can uh, the Reds still can have a chance, I guess, because all those guys have pitched well. With, with Latos, especially if you can get Latos somehow, that you know it's such a such an important game to get past that that wild card game. I'd love to see Latos starting that game, but whoever it is, uh, the Reds are they're gonna have to put some runs on the board either way. Yeah, I actually just counted it out. Assuming the Reds don't skip anybody uh, with with an off day here or there, um, it looks like they've got. They've got every Thursday off between now and the end of the season, so they could rearrange it a little bit. Uh, but Latos would be the next guy in line to start the play-in game or one-game playoff series game um, if the schedule stays the way that it is right now in the rotation. Um, but, you know, with an off day, I feel that they would be able to choose between either Latos or Bailey depending on the matchup if they wanted to go in either one of those directions. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's interesting. Okay, Doug, anything else we need to 
explore today? Um, no, I, I think we, uh, we we covered quite a bit there in a short amount of time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit different uh, perspective than we've had recently. We always want to be optimistic, see the glass half full if we can. This Reds team has made it difficult to do that this year, but um, I, I'm, I guess, uh, mildly optimistic that the Reds can make a little run here and uh, we could have a really fun final two-thirds of the last month. What do you think about that? I, I'm on board for that. You know, I Like you said a few minutes ago, I, I feel like we're in the playoffs. It's going to take – a big collapse for us to not make the playoffs, but we're still fighting for something very important, whether it's the home uh, one-game series or, you know, fighting for the division. You know, while it seems that we're in the playoffs, so there's still a lot for us to root for and for the Reds to play for, you know, coming down the stretch. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, so let's, uh, let's sort of put the uh, the frustrations this team has uh, given us behind a little bit, and let's, uh, let's go see the Reds win some games here. Uh, you can follow everything that Doug does at RedsMinorLeagues.com and, of course, follow Doug on Twitter at, at DougDirt24. Uh, head over to Red Leg Nation uh, anytime. You can uh, listen to previous episodes of this show. You can uh, see all the dumb stuff we write over there every day if, you, if you're interested in that. Follow us on Twitter at Red Leg Nation. You can follow me on Twitter personally at uh, at C. Um, Doug, appreciate you joining us again today. We need to do this again very soon. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can talk about a winning streak that we're on next time we get together for Red Lake Nation Radio. Hey, I'll sign that legislation. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>